Book Dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Book Dreams. This is the first in a series of what we call mini episodes. What we decided to do is to read books on a topic that we individually need some help with and try to assess whether or not the book helped. So Julie chose our first book, and I'm just going to jump ahead to the second book, which I chose. The second book is about memory because I have trouble with my memory. I have a terrible, terrible memory, all of which is my way of saying that I don't remember what book Julie (laughs) chose. I used to know. But I'm coming to this conversation a completely blank slate. So, Julie, (laughs) perhaps we could start by you telling me what book you chose, and then we can talk about why you chose it. (laughs) That is an interesting question because I pulled a bit of a switcheroo. Oh, that's why I don't remember. Right. Right, right. So initially, the book that I chose is called Unwinding Anxiety. New Science Shows How to Break the Cycles of Worry and Fear to Heal Your Mind by Dr. Judson Brewer. Okay, just want to insert myself here to say, I now remember that that was your book. That that sounds familiar to me, which based on the book that I've read is a good sign. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm glad. Okay. I can't wait to hear more about that book. Okay. All right. Let me tell you why I chose that book and how it evolved into the book that I have actually read more closely. Okay. A couple of months ago, Ezra Klein had an episode on his podcast and the episode was called Anxious? Me Too. This conversation could help, which of course I am anxious and therefore I couldn't press play fast enough. Well, also his podcast is fantastic. And his podcast is so good. So the interview was with a guy named Judson Brewer, who's director of research and innovation at Brown University's Mindfulness Center. And he has out this new book called Unwinding Anxiety. I listened to the conversation and it resonated with me so deeply. Dr. Brewer talks about how worrying is a kind of habit Mm -hmm. Um, Like you have this kind of vague sense of unease, maybe you just feel out of control and your mind starts spinning on a a small problem. You know, where are the keys? Where are the keys? Where do I leave my keys? Where do I leave my keys? Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The habit aspect of this is that you feel like you're in control of something. I can try to solve this problem, whatever the problem is that your mind is spinning on and the reward that you get when you solve the problem, feels good. It's kind of like alcohol, you know, you crave it because you know in the end, your initial reaction, right, is it's going to make you feel better, even if it doesn't make you feel good at all in the long term. Yeah. So he frames worry in a very similar way. Okay, wait, I'm totally confused because in my experience, alcohol is really fun at first and then it feels... Exactly. Lousy, but I thought you just said that 
you know, if you worry, worry, worry about the keys and then you find them and feel better. Well, eventually you solve the smaller problem and that you get the hit from the problem solving. I see. So worrying over the keys is the drinking of the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Finding the keys is the fun part of being drunk. Exactly. And then there's the hangover. And the hangover is somewhat akin to being an alcoholic, right? Because it lasts forever. It's like this constant state of trying to find small problems that you can really fret over that have the potential to be solved so that you'll get that little hit. But you stay in this kind of everlasting humming of mind spinningness. Mm-hmm. And ironically, a lot of people, I know, myself included, you know, feel like, oh, I need to be anxious because if I'm anxious, it's my anxiety that really propels me to solve these problems. Other people, they're so relaxed, you know, they never solve problems. I solve problems, right? I'm yeah. really good at that. It feels like we're doing something when we're worrying about it. Exactly. And I don't want to get rid of that, my anxiety, because then I'll get rid of this skill that I have finally honed with all of this worrying. Mm -hmm. The You know, there are many problems, but one interesting thing is that, in fact, problem solving is much more efficient and effective when you are not in this state of mind spinning. And so, in fact, if you were just to kind of carve out a period of time during the day in the morning, say, to kind of solve a particular problem not because you can't let it go, but just because you've set aside the time, you would solve it in a much more effective way. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how the way to break, you can't think yourself out of this worry cycle. Really? But isn't that what cognitive behavioral therapy is all about? Well, he's a neuroscientist. And so a lot of this is based on his studies of different ways that the brain lights up and what have you. What he says really is that the more effective and quicker way to get yourself out of it is to make yourself curious about how you're feeling. Mm. It's both curiosity and putting yourself into a feeling that can break it off. I don't know how much experience you have talking to anxious people, but if you try to- Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know that I'm trying not to have you throw any anyone under the bus. Okay, you know that that I believe that my purpose on this planet that I am surrounded by people I love who are deeply anxious. Yes, my closest friends, my family members, (laughs) you, whom I count as one of my closest friends. And sorry, I I don't think I'm outing you because I think you're outing yourself. But I believe that I have been put on this planet to talk all of these loved ones off the ledge. Right. That's my purpose. And I adore you for it. And this is a really useful tip, actually, because you know how long it can take to reason some, try to reason someone out of worrying about something. Mm -hmm. People who are actually deeply worrying and anxious about something don't necessarily respond to your reasoning with them because it's not actually about often the topic that they have front of mind. It's about something else. And I have tried this with other friends who are anxious since hearing the Ezra Klein show, and I have tried it on myself. And it is true that if instead of saying, come on, you know that you are smart and, you know, you know, like someone is really feeling anxious about a mistake that 
he or she made on a test or what have you, you know, look, it doesn't really matter. It's only one problem that in the grand scheme of things that may or may not work. And it often doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you were just to say to them, oh, I'm curious, like how, where are you feeling the anxiety in your body right now? Are you mm. feeling it on the left side or the right side? <laughs> you know, are you feeling, and does it feel different on the left side or the right side? Is it like lodged in your chest? Do you feel a little tightness in your chest? And once you get the mind to sort of be curious about the way the body is feeling, you get out of the spinning much faster and you're much more able to kind of see the reason. The okay. reason. This is really interesting. And it reminds me of how you parent a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. When the child's all worked up, you try to help them identify the feelings they're having and then you try to distract them. Distract, distract, distract. Especially I think with older folks, you can't so easily distract the brain. You know, you can't just say, okay, yes, I understand you're worried about that test, but let's go get some ice cream. Yeah. It just doesn't work as well. But focusing on feeling and curiosity about feeling turns out to be weirdly effective. Huh. Okay. Good. So I heard this episode and I started practicing what I had gleaned from the episode. And I was like, this is great. And I ordered both of Dr. Brewer's books Unwinding Anxiety, and also his first book, The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, Why We Get Hooked and How We Can Break Bad Habits. Ooh, I need that. Yes, it arrived (laughs) first. And so Mm -hmm. I read it first. It's this habit and addiction that's really the backbone of his work, which led him to have these theories about anxiety and then to look into anxiety in a habit-forming frame. So what do I do? How do I break all my bad habits? (laughs) It all comes down to essentially mindfulness. And he talks about what a habit is and... Okay, wait, wait, wait. I hate mindfulness. You hate mindfulness. (laughs) Because it's hard. Mindfulness is so... That's where we were going to get to. Okay, okay. But then I'll I'll be quiet and let's get there. It's extremely difficult. And I will tell you that I read The Craving Mind... I identified my most prominent and overwhelming and debilitating craving, which is sugar. Mm -hmm. And he happens to have an app program called Eat Right Now Mm -hmm. that is specifically designed to help you overcome food cravings. Okay. And it involves really reshaping the way that you think about these cravings. So when I say that it comes down to mindfulness, what I mean is when you have a craving for a handful of chocolate chips, for example, or ice cream or cake, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm, Of course. (laughs) Right. Swedish fish. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to, you know, exercise willpower, be really firm with yourself, you know, any of the normal regimens, the idea is to say, oh, I'm having this craving. I recognize that that is what this is. He has a whole system that he calls RAIN, R-A-I-N. So it's recognition, awareness, investigation, and noting. Mm -hmm. So you recognize it, you're aware of exactly what's happening, and you ask yourself, like, why am I having this craving now? Am I actually hungry? Of course, never. Am I bored? Am I, you know, you investigate what it feels like, and then you just note that you've had it. 
And he uses the example of nicotine. He says that nicotine is by far more addictive in his experience with all of his patients than cocaine. It is, you know, that smokers have the hardest time. And the thing that was most helpful to his patients was to recognize most of the time when you have a craving, you feel like you can't possibly do anything other than give in. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, there are times on the bus or, you know, in a federal building or an airplane where you have these cravings and you can't give in. And what happens? You just wait it out. Yeah. If you wait it out, it goes away. The idea is to recognize it and be curious about it Mm -hmm. and then experience it going away. And if you're able to actually wait through a craving like 10 to 15 times, you retrain your brain so that instead of the brain being in the habit of, oh, sugar, mm, that's going to be delicious. I'm going to eat some right now. You succeed in retraining your brain to, to feel like, oh, sugar, actually, if I just wait it out, I will in the long run feel better. And you break, it's all about breaking that habit. I once spoke to a therapist who told me cravings like that generally last seven seconds, Mm. a shockingly short amount of time that you have to just bear with. I'm really, really surprised that it only takes 10 to 15 times of interrupting that process to retrain your brain. That seems not so hard. Well, and I don't know fully what he means by overcoming the craving. And I don't know whether the 10 to 15 times have to be in a row. Mm -hmm. I'm a little unclear because I have now gone through much of this eat right now. Yes, yes. So that was my next question. How did it, how did it go? Did you try it? I am much more aware of cravings. I succeed kind of often in overcoming them. I am seeing a change in my approach to eating It's just a very long-term process. You know, you need sort of constant reminders to yourself and that makes it hard. Yeah. And how do you feel doing it? In other words, does it feel good to go through that process? Does it feel annoying to go through that process? How do you feel about abiding by this? It feels of a piece with like cognitive behavioral science. I'm very interested in how the mind works. I'm fascinated by the idea that if you just write out the craving, you can think of it as just another thought that doesn't mean anything. I don't mind doing it at all. I just can't say that my interest in cognitive behavioral science overrides my desire for chocolate cake. Well, I mean, (laughs) there's no competition. In terms of pleasure, there's no competition. Although if I were really to abide by this, then I would reframe the pleasure timeline. I just haven't quite managed that yet. You're never going to be a person who could care less about chocolate cake. I I don't know for sure, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay. If it does happen, we'll do another mini. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. All right. Well, I enjoyed hearing about these books. I'm especially eager to try out the technique for dealing with anxiety about feel. How does it feel? Where do you feel it in your body? I'm, I'm really, one of my big takeaways from this conversation is that curiosity is so much more helpful than judgment. Curiosity is so much more helpful. It's also more helpful than reason. Mm. Ooh, I don't want to believe that that's true, but I do believe that that's true. I would prefer that not to be true. 
It is true, especially the curiosity about feeling, I think is more useful in this context than reason. With that said, I think the combination is the real key. So if you can get someone out of the loop Mm -hmm. of the spinning with the curiosity and the feeling, the reason is going to settle in much more effectively. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Thank you, Julie. You're so welcome. I can't (laughs) wait to talk about that memory book. Yes, I can't wait to remember (laughs) what I want to tell you about the memory book. Excellent. Okay. Until next time. Happy book dreaming. Happy book dreaming. Come listen to Book Dreams with Julie.